0: This is the Austin Life Church Podcast. For more information, please visit us at austinlifechurch.com. If you have your Bible, I'd love for you to turn to Ephesians chapter 6. Uh, if you don't, if you use a device, um, rock on, use your device. Uh, if you don't own a Bible, there's some that we have out at a table there, even at the info desk, and we'd love for you to take it home with you. Um, we, we believe these words to be 100% true. And uh, I love this quote from Francis Chan uh, in his book, Letters to the Church. Uh, got it this time. Thank you, Mike, for that uh, encouragement. Uh, he, he said, The only, oh man, what did he say? I, if I'm going to quote someone, I should quote it accurately, right? Like, shouldn't that be the case? I don't want that's fair. Um, if I can get to it quickly, I will. If not, I'm going to summarize it. Let's see if it opens up on my. My my Kindle, come on, come on, no, no, it it didn't, it didn't. He he was talking he was talking about um you know just kind of listening to listening to the voice of God in our hearts and 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 that. But he he said at the end of the day, the only words I trust are the words that I read in the Bible. He's like those are the only words I fully trust. Um, and he said just because our minds and our hearts are deceitful, and so sometimes we can think like, man, I'm hearing from the Lord and I have a word from the Lord, and we might. But we also might be a little selfishly motivated or a little deceived. And, and, and so he just says, the only words I fully trust are the words that I read from this Bible. Uh, and that's where we land as a church. Uh, I, 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 I can try my best, but I'm going to mess up and I'm going to disappoint. Um, the same thing for all of us, right? But God's word never disappoints. And so we always want to come from here as our source of truth. So Ephesians chapter 6, we're wrapping up the book of Ephesians. Ephesians. Um, I mean, I've loved Ephesians. It has also been really challenging. Uh, Stephanie just told me as I walked up, she's like, I'm ready for the sermon to be done. And I was like, oh, cool, thanks. I don't know what to think of that. Um, But it's just been, this has been a hard week for me. Um, The second I started writing this sermon, I told Stephanie, I was like, this is going to be tough. It's going to be a tough week. Um, And I knew that there was going to be spiritual attack. And there's been a lot of that for me in this book. And so I think that's what she's meaning. She's like, let's just move on to something else, um, maybe. Uh, And so we will wrap up Ephesians today. Uh, next week, we'll have one more Sunday here at 10 a.m. Um, a friend of ours, Eric Estes, will be preaching. And then the following Sunday, the first Sunday in June, 5 p.m. at the Mission Possible building, which is one block around the corner here off of 12th and Chacone. is that right? Um, 5 p.m. is where we will be meeting for the months of June and July. So all of June and July, 5 p.m. at Mission Possible. And we're going to be going through different psalms uh, and, and just kind of thinking through the Lord is. Uh, so multiple Psalms just kind of talked about the Lord is my strength. The Lord is my shepherd, right? So we just want to focus in the Psalms on who is God, right? Who, who is this God that we, we worship? And so we'll, we'll just spend time throughout the Psalms uh, in, in the summer. I love the Psalms. Uh, David was an emotional train wreck. Uh, And so, I mean, guys, just up and down, up and down. And so if you're ever like, I'm such a basket case, so was David, so you're not alone. Um, I'll join you in that. Like, it's okay. David lays it all out on the pages of Scripture, which I'm so grateful for. Um, And we get to see into the heart of uh, really what I think humanity is. And so I'm excited to get in the Psalms. Uh, So enough about that. Let's get to Ephesians chapter 6. We'll read verses 10 through 24. And then we'll just talk about it a little bit. Ephesians 6, starting in verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places." Praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints and also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains. That I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak, so that you also may know how I am and what I am doing. The, Tychicus, the beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, will tell you everything. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are, and that he may encourage your hearts. Peace be to the brothers in love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with love incorruptible. Let's pray. God, these are your words. You inspired Paul uh, to write, and so while Paul was a human instrument and his hands um, and it is what penned this letter. It is your word, God, uh, given to him. And so we take this from you. God, we ask that you will teach us that it will not uh, return void, that we will be changed by it. God, that we will see you and know you and know how you want us to live in response to your word. God, may we not flippantly push it aside, but may we in reverence and awe sit before you and hear what you have for us. Would you take a second and would you ask for God to free you from distraction? That your mind would be clear that that anything that is troubling you or causing you to be anxious would be set free, that you could hear from the presence, from the voice of the Lord today. Father, in weakness and in fear and in much trembling, we bring the word and we ask that what would be seen and known today would be a demonstration of your spirit's power. That's what we desire to encounter for your glory, for our good, for the good of the world around us. It's in Christ we ask, amen. All right, Ephesians chapter six, wrapping up the book of Ephesians. So here's here's one thing that I believe the the Lord was giving us giving Paul to the church in Ephesus. I believe that it has been something that he has been pounding into my mind and heart. And I believe that because he has called me in this season to be the pastor of this church and you happen to be here today, I believe it is the message that God wants to give to us today. And that is the message to, to never, never, never quit. Don't quit. To, to stand firm, planted in your faith, no matter what is coming around you no matter what the circumstances are, no matter what the challenges are, no matter if you've been knocked down, no matter if you've been down and out for weeks or months, that that you would stand back up in the strength of the Lord and you would stand firm and that you would not quit the walk in the race of faith. Stand firm don't lose heart, don't be troubled. I believe that is what the Lord has been challenging me with and and telling me because Stephanie knows very clearly um, Friday was awful for me. One of the worst days I've had in a long time and I just wanted to quit. I just wanted to walk away and run away from everything that seemed hard um, and escape. And and I just, as much as it's hard for me to to write this, I'm like, I just hear God saying, don't quit. Stand firm, be ready, be alert and, and plant your feet and stand firm. Now, now here's the, here's the challenge for us. We're not going to take this seriously. We're not going to think through the lens of, okay, I need to be alert. I need to stand firm. I need to be ready. I I need to press on. We're not going to take that seriously if we don't actually think that there is an enemy right now seeking to wage war on our lives. That in this very moment, as we sit in this folding chair in Keeling Middle School in Austin, Texas, that there is a spiritual enemy that desires nothing else than to destroy your life. That's what John 10.10, Jesus says. He says that the thief only comes to steal, kill, and destroy 1 Peter chapter chapter 5 and verse 3, it says be sober-minded, right? So be wise, don't have anything clouding your mind. Be sober-minded, be watchful for your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. That that right now, we don't have to be afraid of this, but right now we need to know that there is an opponent, a real opponent, the devil, that is prowling around, that is seeking, that is looking for weaknesses and for someone to devour. And my question for you is, is it you? Like, have have you made yourself weak? Have you made yourself vulnerable? Have you opened yourself up to be under attack? Are you even cognizant that there is a war that we're living in? I think I've told Stephanie multiple times, like, we are in, we can't just casually, you don't casually walk through a battlefield. Like, oh, everything's good. No, you have to be alert. You have to be, you have to know that there is a war happening, and there's a, there is an enemy that wants to destroy, that is seeking to kill and steal and destroy. There's, I I found this video, YouTube sometimes distracts me. I don't know about you. Um, I found this video that I wanted to to show that I think um, illustrates it well this this image. So uh, Robert, go ahead and hit this. So um, I'll narrate. So you see here, we're uh, in a zoo, and you've got a lion, okay? Down here in the south in the corner here, you've got a bird, a heron is what it's called, and it's just like, hey, I'm going to have a drink of water. I'm just going to casually go and, and have a drink here, and you can see what's happening behind it, right? Oblivious to what's going on. Okay, wait for it. W- Get a good, good good zoom, good angle lens. Here we go. Wait, shh, shh, wait, shh. You, you, you can't, look at him, look at him. He's kinda like, what's going on? Boom, game over. The bird made it, the bird was fine. That's not true, it didn't go well for the bird. Um, <laughs> You can go ahead and kill it now, Robert. That's good. We don't, we don't, it's, it's, uh, they were just playing tag. They were just playing tag, and the bird's it now. Um, so, look, here's the deal. I show that, I show, look, it's the circle of life, okay, y'all? It's just, it's just, it's just what happens. But I show that to say, I really believe a lot of times we are a lot like that bird. And we're just casually wanting to walk over here and have a drink, and we just want to do our thing. And we don't want to pay attention to what, what is around us. And all the while, the Bible tells us that there is an enemy that is crouching and sneaking and looking and seeking for someone to devour. And it's not a bird. It's, it's us. That, that, that the enemy wants to steal, kill, and destroy so that our lives are destroyed and so that we take away the glory of God that he created us to give him that our worship is suppressed and crushed under the attacks of the enemy. And so often we're just, we just take it so casual. And I think that's what the enemy wants us to do. is just to kind of think out of sight, out of mind, like it's all good. And and, and all the while he's just lulling us to sleep and he's looking to attack and to devour. We just have to know that there is an enemy who is ruthless and relentless. And that's his end game. That, that's his objective. And if, and if we casually think like, ah, you know, then we're dropping our guard and we're the bird. And he's just looking to destroy. So how does, how does the enemy attack? I mean, it says here, right, in, in, verse, uh, in verse 11, to be able to stand against the schemes of the devil right? That the, 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 the devil is scheming and is smart and is intentional and is looking for weaknesses and is patient and is waiting for us to drop our guards and he's scheming against us. And he wants us, he wants us to do what verse 12 says. He wants us to blame other people, right? He wants it for the hardship and for the adversity. He wants us to look at other people and accuse other people because when we're accusing other people, we're not actually accusing the accuser, We're putting the blame on someone else. And Paul says, no, no, like we don't wrestle with flesh and blood, right? The wrong done against you, sure, it may have been done by a person, but ultimately it's from the enemy who is beneath it all and is the one who is driving everything. Our wrestle is not primarily with each other. And we spend so much energy and so much effort being angry and frustrated and pointing fingers and accusing other people, all the while the actual accuser is just not even being regarded to. And he's like, he's scheming and he's plotting and he's looking and he's smart. And so what's his objective? Big picture, the objective of the devil is to get our eyes off of the Lord and to get us focused on the things around us. That's what we see in the very beginning of Genesis chapter 3, where, where there's this fruit and the enemy is like, hey, 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 look over here. Don't look at God. Look at this. Focus on this fruit. Focus on this fruit tree. Don't look at God. Don't trust him. Don't don't obey him. And he just wants to start tempting us with this desire. Just a subtle, easy, small desire. And there's nothing necessarily wrong with desire, but if we don't handle it properly, it's like a firework and it can blow up and burn the house down. And he just wants to get our desires leaning a certain direction. He wants to, he wants to meet us in disappointment, because we live in a broken world where broken things happen and we're disappointed with life and the enemy wants us focused on that disappointment and as people who look for satisfaction and joy he wants us to look around us for the answer to that disappointment rather than to look to the source of satisfaction and joy he wants us desiring a fix desiring an answer in another place beside the lord and so we start to think about this relationship or these images, or this fleeting pleasure, or this coping mechanism, or this substance that can numb the pain, or this, if I get to the next pay raise, then I'll be comfortable. Or if I get this new object, that's when I'll find satisfaction, right? He wants to meet us in our disappointment and tempt us to look at the world around us to find the answer for what we're lacking to take our eyes off the Lord the true satisfier of our souls and to look for other things. And so he's going to start with that that desire. And what I'm confident is every one of us can even start to list those desires. Right now, we can start to list those ways that we we look to something else for our answer. And then it's one small step of compromise. More often than not, we're not going to go from here to here. We're going to go from here to here. And we're just going to slightly open the door. And and then we're just going to kind of play with fire a little bit. And we're just going to, instead of exposing the the darkness to light, as he talked about um, previously in Ephesians chapter 5, we just want to kind of keep it under wraps, right, and just compromise just a little bit. And that's all the devil wants. And then that compromise is going to turn a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more. And before we know it, the devil has taken us in sin to places we never thought we would go far deeper than we ever thought we would be. Because he wants to steal, kill, and destroy. And he's never just going to say like, hey, this fruit is going to ruin your life. That's never the temptation of the devil, ever. It's this fruit is going to be the answer to what you're looking for. And then we're going to bite and then we're going to, our eyes are going to be open, and we're going to see What have I done? But it just starts with this this desire and for us to take our eyes off the Lord and to start to look at the things around us and to compromise just a little bit and just a little bit and just a little bit. And before we know it, we haven't put to death things that are opposed to the Lord and you can't play with fire and not get burned. And so that's what the devil wants to do. That's what he's he's luring us and tempting us to do. And so let me me ask you this. If you were tasked with destroying your life, how would you go about it? If that was your task, was to destroy your life, what is the thing that you would take away that would crush you? What is the thing that, that you would add in that would just level you? What, what is the temptation, the desire, the, the longing in your heart that if, you, if you, you know you and you were tasked with destroying you, wh- how would you go about it? How would you go about it? Man, I, I I'll be honest. I know for me it's approval. It's this, it's this approval of, of feeling like I measure up. And there has not... <laughs> I've just been leveled by that over the past few years. And the enemy knew it, and he just continually went at it. Because I desire the approval of people more than the approval of God. And when my heart is connected to that, when that approval falls, which it will, so will my heart. So how would, how would you take you out? Because that's how the devil's going to come at you. That's what we have to lay before the Lord and refocus our eyes on him. And so Paul says, hey, there is an enemy right now seeking to devour. We don't wrestle with flesh and blood. We wrestle against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over the present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Like there is an army seeking to destroy us. Seeking to devour. And so he says, therefore take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Paul says stand firm. There is an enemy and there is an attack, but stand firm. Don't quit. Don't run away. Don't back down. Don't hide. Stand firm. Dig your feet in and stand firm. Sometimes this is like sometimes it takes everything in you just to stand firm, right? Sometimes it is so hard and so crushing that you don't, you don't know how to. I've never been in a season more in my entire life where I have wanted to quit. Everything, ministry, life, everything. Paul talks about in, in 2 Corinthians 1, he says that he, you know, they were so burdened that they despaired of life itself. My, the way I understand that, they were so burdened with weights that they would have been great going to sleep and not waking up the next morning. That, and, and, and I get that, I understand that feeling. It was just like, I would be okay with this just being done, right? And so sometimes in those moments, it's incredibly difficult to stand firm. And yet that's the call. Stand firm. Don't quit. Don't run away. Don't back down. Just stand firm. And how do we do that? Go back to verse 10. Be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. It is going to take incredible strength to stand firm when it feels like the world is crashing around you and pressing in on you when it feels like every attack and temptation known to man is just coming at you at one point, it's incredibly difficult to stand for, them. we need incredible strength now, our problem as, as able people is that we like to rely on our own strength. Like We're going to put together our system of accountability, and we're going to muscle our way through. And like we messed up then, but not anymore. I'm done messing up. I'm done with that sin. I'm moving on. And we're going to muscle our way through with this willpower that we have. And what happens? If you're anything like me, what, five days later, ten days later, there I am right back in it. But I swore it was going to be different this time, right? Have any of you ever made that commitment? Like, I am not doing this again. I'm done. It's, uh, it's, it's done. And then you look back later and you're like, how did I get right back here again? And, and the problem is because we're trying to stand firm in our own strength. We're, we're trying to fight on our own strength in our own ways and what makes sense to us. And, and we just can't rely and trust ourselves. We, we can't. We have to stand firm in the strength of the Lord. It's there for us to be had. The strength of the Lord is there for us to be had. I think about David and Goliath, right? Like you you probably know that story. Little little shepherd boy, teenage boy, David. I mean, you got Goliath, the the champion of the Philistine army, and every trained military professional in the Israel army is scared to go up against Goliath. Like they don't want to go 1v1. They don't want to have that because Goliath is undefeated and will straight knock you out. Well, here comes teenage boy David, and he's like, no, I'll do this. Let's go. I'll take on Goliath. And it says that he ran into battle. Like he, he, he ran towards Goliath. And he says in there, he says, you come to me with a sword and with a spear and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts. He says that today... that that the Lord will give you over to me that you may know there's a God of Israel and that all of his assembly may know that the Lord saves not with sword and spear for the battle is the Lord's and he will give you into into my hand. And so David runs into battle, not his own strength. He's, He's got a sling and a rock. But he runs into battle knowing that the strength of the Lord is already there. It's already there. We already have the strength of the Lord. We just have to stand and walk in it. And if we think we're gonna go our own way and our own wisdom and our own logic, we're going to get beaten. We've gotta stand firm in the strength of the Lord. And so let me just tell you today, from a person who, man, my confidence has been rattled, and I've been, I think, incredibly open with my own wrestle of faith in the last few months, that there is freedom and life in the Lord. And it's not because of your strength or my strength. It's not because we're gonna get it right this time. It's because of his strength and it's already there. It's already there for us to have. And so when attacks come and when anxiety presses in and when depression lingers and when these temptations move in and when your world starts to crumble and fall apart, the strength of the Lord never fades. It never fails. It is present. Know that and stand firm in it and don't quit. Don't quit. And so here's how we walk in the strength of the Lord. Verse 13, by taking up the whole armor of God. It says in verse 11 as well, put on the whole armor of God. How do we walk in that strength? We put on the armor of God. We put on his defense mechanisms. We put on his strength. Now here's the thing with armor, right? This is, I know this is going to be earth shattering. Armor is only effective if you are wearing it. I get it, like that changed everything for you. I know that, right? So if I'm going into battle and my armor is over there to to protect my my chest, it's not gonna go, like if I get stabbed in the chest, well, that armor does me no good. That's why he says you've got to put on the armor of God. It's there for us to have, but we have to walk in it. We have to put on his armor. So application Right now, we can either take this seriously and do something with it, or we can shrug it off and leave the armor to the side and walk out to be attacked by the enemy without the armor on. Th- that's the application of, of this. Are we going to put on the armor of God? So what is the armor that we're called to walk in? The first one we see, stand therefore, verse 14, having fastened on the belt of truth. Having fastened on the belt. The, the belt was, was what really made someone ready to go. Like it was step one in putting on the armor was you put on the belt and then everything else kind of hooked on around it, right? So anytime someone would put on the belt, it was preparing themselves. They were making themselves ready for attack. And so he said, hey, make yourself ready by putting truth into your life. You've got to remove anything from your life that is not true. Anything that is deception, anything that is hiding, you've got to actively get it out and you've got to put truth into your life. John 8, 44, it says that uh, the devil is the father of all lies. And yet 2 Corinthians 11 says he disguises himself as an angel of light. And so we've got an enemy that disguises himself as the angel of light, but it's actually there just to lie and to deceive. He's there to lie and to deceive, right? That's what he did with, with Eve. Hey, hey, no, no, no. Did God really say that? Like, did God really tell you not to eat of that fruit? No, no, God didn't say that. God actually said that, that you would know him. You would be like him. Like, so he wants to deceive and to twist and to lie. So anything that is not truth is of the devil. Anything that is not truth is of the devil. The only time that deceit and hiding entered the world was in Genesis 3, when sin entered the world. That's the first time that we have deceit and hiding and lying. And so he says you've got to put truth into your life and remove relentlessly anything that is not true. And so what do, we, what, do we, what do we speak into? What is the truth? First, we've got to know the truth of who God is. We've got to remind ourselves of who God is. God is good. He is faithful. He is present. He is our warrior. He is my strength. He is loving. He is compassionate. He is just. Like, we've got to know who God is because the enemy wants to tell us who, God, who, who he says God isn't. You know, the enemy wants to tell us, now, God is, God is evil. God is harsh. God is harsh. God is oppressive. And so we've got to know who God is. We've got to know the truth of the gospel. That Christ has moved near to save us so that our sins can be forgiven and that we can be made right before God. We've got to know the truth of the gospel. We've got to know the truth of our identity in Christ. That in him, I'm a son and a daughter. That that I am not some orphan left on the side. I am adopted into his family. I am known, I am seen, I am cared for. That he's not left me alone. So we've got to know the truth of who God is, the truth of the gospel, the truth of my identity in Christ. And we have to have have truth of character. We have to have truth of character. The enemy is looking for us to introduce deceit, deception, and lies. Because you can't have on the armor of truth while lying. Colossians 3 says... Don't lie. It's just that, it's that simple. And and that means, that means not just, hey, let me tell 95% of the truth, but just leave that 5% out. let Let me give one angle that seems to be true, but not actually tell the full truth. Because when we introduce that deception, that's exactly what the devil is looking for. And that's his weak point where he's gonna start small and it may play a long game, but he's gonna build it and build it and build it until it blows up. And so if we want to protect ourselves from attack and to walk in the light, we have to walk in truth. There's just no way around it. Or we're going to continue to set ourselves up for attack. So the first one is to walk in truth. The second one is the breastplate of righteousness. So having fastened on the belt of truth, having put on the breastplate of of righteousness, this is a, a positional righteousness and a practical righteousness. So the first one is we have to remind ourselves and stand in who we are in Christ, that we are righteous. One of the greatest tactics of the enemy is to destroy us with guilt and shame, right? Is that he's just gonna press us down and weigh down on us with so much guilt and shame of our past that he's gonna render us ineffective that we're going to tell ourselves, no, no, I can't do this. I'm, I'm useless. Man, if they only knew how messed up I was, if they only knew, th- th- there's just no way. Like, yeah, sure, maybe God will accept me, but he doesn't really love me. He's not really proud of me. Like, I, I'm just too, I'm too much of a screw-up. I'm too broken. I've messed up too many times. And, and I think God is like, hey, just read the Bible and see the characters that I've used. A bunch of shady, broken, messed up people That's who God uses so that he can redeem them and change their story for his glory. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says that, that God made Jesus, who knew no sin, the perfect righteous one, that God made Jesus to be our sin so that, what does it say? We might become the righteousness of God. That when we in faith trust Christ, he takes our sin, our unrighteousness, He takes it off of us and puts it on himself, and then he clothes us with righteousness. So if you're in Christ, then today you are righteous. Period. Done. End of story. Before the God of this world, because of what Jesus has done, you are righteous. That means that the guilt and the shame that the devil tells you in your minds, that you're too broken and you're too messed up, you respond back with, no, 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 I am righteous. I'm a son of the Lord. I'm a daughter of the King and he has made me righteous in Jesus. Get out. And you stand in that confidence of what Jesus has done for you and who he has made you to be. So there's that positional righteousness before the Lord. But there's also practical righteousness. Plain and simple, we gotta stop sinning we got to stop doing things that are sinful. I mean, he says in, in Colossians 3 and in Ephesians 4 with the new life, right? He says it over and over and over. We have to put off the things of this world, the things of the devil. We have to put on the things of Jesus. And whenever we put on or we put into our lives things of this world, we are taking off the armor of righteousness and we are opening ourselves up for attack. And so if we think that we can not be attacked by the enemy while clicking on the internet and looking at things that we shouldn't be looking at, we're kidding ourselves. We're dishonoring the Lord and we're setting ourselves up for attack. If we think that we can, let's go back to Ephesians chapter 5, right? If we think that we can drink just a little bit too much and not open ourselves up for attack, then we're kidding ourselves. We're dishonoring the Lord and we're setting ourselves open for attack if we think that we can just barely cross the line, you know, just just a little bit and not set ourselves up for attack, we're not walking with the breastplate of righteousness. We're setting ourselves, it's over there and we're setting ourselves up to be attacked. And so yes, we are righteous in Christ, but we have to walk in that righteousness in order to be armed with the righteousness of God, in order to protect ourselves from the attack. Plain and simple, right? Right? Easier said than done. I get it. But there's just things, again, I guarantee you, we could all probably list them off. Where we're like, this is not actually protecting me from attack. I need to get rid of it. And so the question comes down to, will we? Will we, will we put it out of our lives? And so we put on the breastplates of righteousness. Here's the great news about, about the gospel, is that God just says, hey, confess and repent and move forward. Like, we don't have to carry it with us. We can confess, repent right here, right now. We can confess, repent, and walk out of those doors free from the stuff in the past. That, that's incredible news. Incredible news. So we put on the breastplate of righteousness. The next thing that he says is, as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. The, the, the readiness, another word, is steadfastness. So the, the shoes in a Roman military um, um, armor had spikes or cleats on the bottom. And and for the purpose that you could stand, you'd be anchored in, right? When an attack comes, when someone presses up against the line, you dig your feet in with those cleats and you're anchored in, right? So you're not gonna be pushed over or blown over, but you're anchored deeply into the ground. And so he says, anchor your souls, right? When you're gonna stand firm, man, stuff is gonna come at you and it's it's gonna push. Jesus even says, right? When the wind and the waves press upon you, upon your house, what foundation are you built on? What are you anchored into? If you're anchored into the sand, if you're anchored into something that's going to shift, if you're anchored into something else that's going to fall, you're going to fall with it. But if you're anchored into the gospel of peace, then you're going to have peace in your soul that no matter what storm is crashing in on you, you're good. You you can stand firm because you've got the peace of the gospel. It makes me think of Jesus on the boat, right? The the disciples are on the boat and the storm is raging on and these professional fishermen are afraid they're going to die they're like tossing water out with a bucket and Jesus is taking a nap like he's just I love that it puts that in the scripture like he's just napping because the peace of Jesus says man whatever storm comes I can stand secure and firm I'm not going to be pushed over because of the gospel of the peace do you know that peace of the gospel do you know that peace that no matter what You know that you're secure in Christ, that he is the anchor to our soul. He's never gonna leave you or forsake you. And that digs your feet in and it enables you to stand firm that everything else can crumble, but you know that you're his and you know that he will never leave you. He's demonstrated that peace through the cross. And so we put on the gospel of peace. And it makes us steadfast. It anchors our soul into what is true. And then he says to take up the shield of faith. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith which, with, with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. Man, the evil one is going to throw darts at you. He's going to throw attacks at you. It's going to happen. But our front line of defense, what we can put out in front of everything is faith. Is that, that steady conviction and resolved determination that God is who he is. And that his word is true. Faith is what activates everything else. If I don't have faith in who God is, I'm not going to believe anything else. I'm not going to believe the gospel, the, the, the shoes of peace in the gospel. I'm not going to believe the, the helmet of salvation. I'm not going to believe the breastplate of righteousness. It's our faith that says, no, God is true. God is real. His word is true. He's good. And so I put on faith and I hold it out in front of me. And that is what enables everything else to stand and to remain is this faith. I mean, if faith is not easy. Right? Like I'm, I don't know, sometimes I'm just tired of living by faith. I want to live by sight. Like I just want, want it to be easy. And faith is tough. And so we choose every day to trust and to put our faith in God because he is who he is. It's faith that tells us, man, the strength of God is there. I just have to step. I don't have to hope that his strength is going to be there to hold me up. It is there. He, it tells me that it's true and that I can walk forward in confidence. And so we put up the shield of faith. Next thing, we take on the helmet of salvation. We, we put on the helmet of salvation. We protect our minds and our, with the truth of salvation, right? None of this is effective without salvation. Salvation is what takes us from darkness to light. It's what makes us a child of God rather than the child of the devil. And so we have to have salvation in christ that he is the one that saves us and and so we set our mind on things above that's what colossians says we fill our minds with the truth of salvation i think man so often we're filling our minds with things that are not of the lord that are not of truth so we we have to put on the helmet of salvation we have to set our mind on things above what are you inputting into your mind what, what music is filling the neural pathways of your mind? What TV shows are burning images into your mind? What, what are you putting into, what are you protecting your mind with? I'm fascinated with the brain. I'm fascinated with, with neural pathways, right? I, I think I've talked about that before, that there are physical pathways in our brain And it's like a pathway, if you walk up to a field and there's a pathway, you're most likely just gonna walk down that pathway rather than walk through the tall grass. And it's the same thing with our mind. When we input things into our mind, we create these neural pathways. And the more that we put those things into our mind, the more those pathways are deeper and deeper and deeper and more pronounced. And so naturally, without even thinking about it, we start walking down those pathways. You ever seen that in just a grass or something? Like You don't even think about it, you just walk on that pathway. It didn't matter if there's a sidewalk right there. There's a pathway here that saves me 2.4 seconds. And so we don't even think about it. We just walk down it. And that's what happens with our brains is that we're creating these neural pathways that we don't even think about anymore because they become habits and patterns and repeated things that we go to. The great news of the gospel is that, and of how God's made us, is that those can be changed. And as we put on the helmet of salvation, we recreate new pathways for our brain. We start to think differently and see differently. But we have to put that into our lives. We have to get rid of the other things that are creating the negative pathways and put in truth. We have to put on the helmet of salvation. And finally, we, we, put, we pick up the sword of the spirit, the word of God. Right? like we, we need something to fight back with. We need something to hit back with. Satan's going to come at us and we can defend and we can protect, but man, he gets too close. Like We want to chop him down, right? We want to give a little stab there. We want to, we want to, we want to get him, right? right? <laughs> Thank you. We need something to fight back with. And God tells us that we have the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Jesus, early in his ministry, was led out by the Spirit of God. I always find that fascinating. The Spirit of God led Jesus into the wilderness where he fasted for 40 days. It was also in that wilderness where he was tempted by the devil. So even Jesus is tempted by the devil. And I find it fascinating. Do any of you ever find that you, you sit down to pray or to read and like you're just, your brain is gone. Like you can't say focus for more than 30 seconds. Right? You come in here and you're like, "I'm going to worship the Lord," and then boom, something happens, you see someone, you're, you're triggered of a reminder, something right. And, and yet we see that with Jesus too, because the devil doesn't want us to worship God. Like He doesn't want us to, to read His word and to commune with him. and so he's going to attempt to come and to, to derail that. And so when he did that with Jesus, three specific temptations and three immediate responses, it is written. Every time, that's what Jesus responded with, was the word of God. The devil says this, and Jesus says, no, it is written, this. The devil says that, and Jesus says, no, it is written, this. It is written. We have to hold tightly to the word of God. This is our, def- this is our point of attack with the devil. When he says, you're unlovely, we look to Romans 5, 8, that says, God demonstrates his love for you, that while you were in your worst, that's when Christ came and died for you. All right, we, we respond back with, it is written, so we have to know the word. We have to know this. And we live in a day when fewer and fewer and fewer people know the word of God. Right? We, just, we don't know it. We don't know what it says. Psalm 119, it says, how can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. We've gotta know what God says here. We, we've got to obey the word. James says, don't just be a hearer of the word, but be a doer of the word. Right? If we want to attack back, we have to put it into action. We have to obey the word of God. We can't just read it and say, oh, this man, he tells me that there's going to be attack and I put on the armor of God. Super, great, move on. No, we have to actually put on the armor of God. We have to obey the word. We have to speak the word. We quote it. We memorize it. We sing it. We pray it. We share it with one another. We have to, the word of God has to be on our mouth. We rebuke and we, we send out Satan's power by the word of God, and we speak it. Do you, do you know the word? So the, Paul's telling us, hey, there's gonna be attacks. It's gonna happen, and here's the armor we have. We have the truth, we have righteousness, we have steadfastness in the gospel, we have faith, we have salvation, and we have his word. We have everything we need to stand firm. But are we going to put that into our lives? Or are we going to leave some of the armor off to the side and open ourselves up for attack? Or are we going to know that we're at war and that God's given us everything that we need? Paul finishes by saying, in all things, at all times, we pray. Praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints and also for me. So we we pray at all times, all places, for all things. Now I don't know about y'all, but prayer is one of the hardest things for me to do. I I just, I just feel like I'm not doing anything, right? Do you you ever just sit there and you, you sit down and start praying and like your, your insides are just screaming at you to get to work, to go do something, to be active, Right, like the ability just to sit still before the Lord. That's what happened with Martha. Like she just had to go serve and do something, right? She couldn't just sit at his feet. Prayer is so tough, yet it is the power that drives everything. Prayer is the work of ministry. It is how we are going to, to empower ourselves and others to walk forward and to put on the armor of God. We have to be a people who pray. And so we pray for others. We pray for protection. We pray for the church. We pray for friends who don't know Jesus. We pray at all times and in all ways We put prayer into our lives. As a church, we want to be a church that prays more and more and more. We truly believe that if down the road we look back and there was success in this church it's because that prayer is what fueled it it's not going to be on our own strength like we're, we're dealing with the spiritual here like we can't control that i can't i can't force anybody to love jesus like i can't control what happens at a spiritual level only the spirit can do that and so we have to pray and ask for the spirit of god to move in our lives we have to make that a discipline absolutely have to and so we we pray I want to end it with this, and then we'll move on. So Paul, he he says that he's going to send his buddy to pass on how he's doing, and then he concludes with peace be to the brothers and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all who love our Lord Jesus with love incorruptible. He finishes by refocusing our minds on Christ. Our attention is not to be on the devil. All right, we're not to walk around like looking for the devil and just trying to find the devil and everything. Our focus is to be on the Lord. And when our eyes and our heart's affections are on the Lord, then we're naturally going to put on truth. We're going to walk in righteousness. Our faith will be strong. We'll, we'll, we'll stand firm in the gospel. We'll walk in the truth of salvation. We'll pray, right? So our focus is to be on the Lord Jesus Christ because he's already won. That's one thing that I love about this. Paul doesn't say, hey, go and and take down the devil. He just says, stand firm because the battle's already won. The day that Jesus walked out of the grave, the devil was rendered ineffective, his power was taken because Jesus already trampled over him in open victory. So it's there for us to, ha- to be had. We just have to walk in it and stand in the strength of Jesus Christ who's risen from the dead and conquered everything that this, the devil can throw at us. So fix your eyes on Jesus. Set your mind on things above. More than anything else, spend time sitting at the feet of Jesus, the one who by the grace of God has made us alive again. Linger there. Don't rush past it. Wait for your heart and your mind to sing praise to him. When you're alone, when you're at work, when you're driving, wherever you are, fix your eyes on Jesus. That is what will enable us to run the race of faith set before us. Let's pray together. God, thank you for your word, and I pray, Spirit, that you will make it alive in our hearts. God, help us to stand in your strength and to walk in your strength. Anchor our hearts and our souls in the gospel of truth. Give us courage and humility to not think that we can fight on our own but to trust you and to put on your full armor. God, may we not be among the many who who just kind of flippantly think about you or, or pursue you, but that our hearts would be made alive, that we'd burn with a passion for you. invite you to take a second and would you just would you just have a conversation with God and maybe that's new for you maybe you don't know what that means and I just encourage you to be still and listen listen in your mind and your heart for for the voice of God to speak to you Father, would you give us the faith to walk forward? Would you give us the, the focused mind that we would not believe even ourselves, we would not believe others, we would not believe logic or what, what, what seems to make sense, but we would believe your word and your voice and that we would in confidence and trust in you alone follow in obedience. Your word is living and active. It speaks to us today. And so we trust that. We trust your word. Thanks for tuning in to the Austin Life Church podcast. To help support us, please take a second to rate and review us on iTunes and visit us at austinlifechurch.com.